you ever noticed how important uh, timing is? Timing is really important. We're going to see today that if Jared Goff would throw that pass just a split second faster, we'd score a touchdown, the Lions would. St. Brown would pull it in. If you uh, want to go for a pleasant swim in Lake Michigan, the time to come for a pleasant swim in Lake Michigan is not December, it's July. And if you're on the British baking show, if you're working on your patisserie, and you leave it in the oven too long, it's going to come out dry and crumbly. But if you take it out too early, you're going to have to face the soggy bottom, and you don't want that. Timing is everything. And we see that today in our Bible reading, that timing is everything when it comes to the Advent story, when it comes to Emmanuel, God with us. I'm reading just one short verse. It's from Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. I know it's a short, short reading, but how important it is that it says to us that, notice what it says, it said, when the set time had fully come. That's an important phrase. In the, in the original Greek, it is the fullness of time. The fullness of time. When time was, was full, it's a very picturesque Greek word, if you will. It, it, for those of us who live up here on the hill, we can be mindful of, of apples that are growing uh, apples that are growing out in the orchard and when the time is just right when it's the fullness of time the apples are ready the apples are ready to be picked off the vine we see also that it's a word that talks about when you can think of maybe like you are a, a mother who is all of a sudden experiencing labor pains when the time is ready the baby it is ready to come out. It's time. Everything has come together for these perfect moments that it's time for the apple to be picked. It's time for the baby to come. It's not a moment too soon. It's not a moment too late. It is the exact perfect time. And that is the words that we have going on here in the fullness of time that God sent his son into the world at exactly the right time. That God, before the beginning of time, had planned when his son was going to come into the world. It wasn't a moment too late. It wasn't a moment too soon. It was the fullness of time. It was the perfect time, says our scriptures. It was part of God's divine plan. And so can we acknowledge this morning that God's timing is perfect? Amen. Can we acknowledge this morning that God's timing is perfect. Amen. Well, I don't know, Pastor Bob. From my vantage point, 
where I'm sitting. I've been waiting on God for a long, long time, and it seems like nothing is going on. I don't know, Pastor Bob, when it looks at my life, when, when I look at the way things are moving or, or, or not moving, I don't see God at work at all. I don't, I, I don't see him doing anything. It's pretty silent. So I'm not sure that I'm going to go with you on that idea about God's perfect timing. And if you're thinking that this morning, I want to let you know that you're probably in the same company that God's people were 2,000 years ago. They were questioning God about his timing. Because from the very beginning, God had come to Abraham, and he said to, right out of the chute in the Garden of Eden that I am going to send a Savior who's going to crush the head of the enemy. Right from the very beginning. And that promise was passed on to Abraham, and then the promise was passed on to, Jacob, to Isaac and to Jacob. And God said, I'm sending a Savior. And David, I'm going to tell you what, it's going to come from your throne. And the prophets kept declaring that this is what God is doing. And we get to Malachi, and Malachi he is the last word we hear. The last book of the Old Testament. Where's the Messiah? He hasn't come. I mean, God, right? God promised. Why didn't he do it? No, no word from the prophet. No more communication from God. All God's people heard was crickets. God, where are you? All I hear are crickets. God, all I hear, in fact, look at where I'm at now, God. It's getting worse, if you will. Because now, now we're under siege of the Roman Empire. There's a little dancing going on with the crickets as well. Because <laughs> the crickets are like, it's silent, it's silent, God's not speaking. I don't know what that dance music was. <laughs> but it's the crickets having a good time. Being the God's people were saying to themselves, listen, it seems worse now. At the time when Jesus is ready to come, it's worse because... Now we're under siege by the Roman Empire. And if anything, they're pressing down on us. We have less freedom now, God. Where are you? You said you were going to bring a Savior. What's going on? We're hearing nothing from you, God. Dare I say it? All they heard was crickets. Crickets who were not dancing, <laughs> but just crickets. And they're hearing these crickets. And this period is called the 400 years of silence. And so while God's people are like, where is God? It's silent. We, we don't see God at work. He's forgotten us. He's abandoned us. God was working on his timing. Remember it said in the fullness of time when everything was ready, when everything was right, 
Then God would send his son into the world. He would prepare it so that when he sent his son into the world, the gospel could be heard, the gospel could be declared, and the gospel could be brought to the ends of the earth. And so while the people of God thought nothing was going on, God was at work. God was at work. God was at work bringing peace across the country. This is what they call, you learned in your history classes, the Pax Romano, the peace of Rome. For the first time, or actually only the second time in the Roman Empire was there not a war across the land. Peace was held by Rome and by the soldiers at the hand of soldiers, albeit it was a military peace, but there was peace in the land at this time. Not only was there peace in the land, we also see that there was the development of roads, of a road system. The Roman Empire built a road system that extended out from Rome all through the land, all through the empire, so you could easily travel from one place to another, so that you could easily get a word from one place to another all across the Roman Empire. Not only were roads being built during this time, but it was a time where everybody spoke one language. Because of the, uh, the Roman uh, occupation and the Roman conquest and uh, the Greek conquest and all that was going on, they were now united by one language, which was Greek. And so for the first time across the land of the Roman Empire, everybody could understand everybody else because Greek was the one language that was spoken at this time. Also in this time, over these 400 years of silence, there was a spiritual void. A spiritual void, a spiritual vacuum was being built. People were turning their lives and they were looking to the, to the, to, to, uh, they were looking to the gods of Greece. They were looking to the gods of Rome. They were listening to the philosophers of Socrates and Aristotle and, and Cicero. And, and they were they were falling short they had all they were expressing all their emotions and feelings and trying to fill themselves through their beautiful art and through their music and through their architecture and, and all of that was falling short Caesar Augustus came and said I will bring you everything you need and Caesar Augustus fell short and so people are living with a spiritual void in their lives as well during this time we also see that during this time God's people had spread across the Roman Empire. Remember, they were brought into exile. People were like, oh my goodness, this is such bad news. How could the Babylonians take them into exile? How could the Assyrians take God's people into exile? Well, they did. And when God brought his people back into Jerusalem, some stayed. And so now God's people were spread across the entire Roman Empire. Because wherever they went, they built synagogues and they worshipped. And remember Paul, when he went to different cities to bring the good news, he always showed up in a synagogue where he would find believers. And so strategically, God's people were placed across the empire, and many of them even going into uh, what would be the secular system of that day. We read in, the, in our Bible that there was people in Herod's court, King Herod, who were people who feared God, people in the military who feared God, people who came out of the very court of Caesar who were Bible uh, God believers. And so God's people were in a position to bring the good news. And finally, it was also a time of prophetic fulfillment. 
Because God had promised his people, this is what's going to happen. And he gave promise after promise after promise. And when that moment of silence came, what was God doing? He was fulfilling those promises. There are over 300 prophecies about Jesus Christ, his birth, his life, and his death that came to fulfillment. Over 300 of those. God was working, and it came to the right time where the angel came to Zechariah, where John the Baptist stood and said, prepare the way, where the angel came to Mary and then to Joseph, and where Caesar thought he was all that and made a decree in sending everybody to their hometown. So Joseph had to go to Bethlehem. People at Westmont College who had nothing else to do with their time in the math department calculated the odds of one person born in that day, in that area, being born in Bethlehem. And it was one in 300,000 of a chance to be born in Bethlehem. To fulfill just 48 prophecies of Jesus Christ, it was 10 to the 157th power. That would be 10 with 157 zeros. That's just 48 prophecies. And we know that Jesus fulfilled 300 prophecies of God. What was God doing at this time? Was he silent? God was anything but silent. God was at work preparing the way, preparing the way with the peace, with the roads, with the language, the spiritual void that had been created with his people being positioned in the right place. God was at work so that at just the right time, in the fullness of time, his son, God sent his son, born of a woman, to redeem those under law. And so this morning, what I want you to see, that if you are here, and in this Advent season, you're saying, I don't see God, I don't hear God, it seems like he's silent and he's not working in my life, what I want you to see instead of the absence of God, of the silence of God, dare say it, of the crickets in your life. Instead of hearing those things in your life, I want you to look to the manger. I want you to look to the manger, and instead of hearing crickets, hear a baby. Hear a baby cry instead. (laughs) Stacy, Greg, is that? No? not Luke all right I want you to hear the baby cry because the baby cry in the manger tells us that God is at work that God is not silent that God is continuing to work on our behalf even when we don't see him even when it appears to us nothing is happening the testimony of the manger tells us our God is at work and so maybe you're here you're in that season of waiting. You're in that season of silence. You're, you're waiting to get out of that, that, that report that you've had about your illness and about that, that health thing that you've just been dealing with and, and working through. Maybe you've been waiting in your life for a spouse to come into your life. Maybe you've been waiting for that new job promotion, that next advancement in your career. Maybe you've been praying for the salvation of a, of a loved one and and the time is just going by and you're thinking where are you God what are you doing 
I want you in this Advent season to see the manger and to know that God is at work. That our God's timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. And see that manger and know that. Because God is not limited to, to the way that we think things should be time out. God is not constrained by our expectations. God is not, you know, he doesn't have to work within our ideas of how we think time and our lives and all these situations. That's extremely good news. That's very good news. Is it not that our God is a God whose ways are higher than our ways, whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts? Our God who comes to us and says, I can do infinitely more than you can even think or imagine. How good is that? We're like, well, God, I'm looking at my time here and I don't see this. When God's doing this, I mean, the people in this day were like, we're under Rome, God. We just want to we just want to be free from the Romans and we want to have a king that sits on the throne. And what did God do? He sent a king to be in the world. He freed them from the chains of not just the Roman Empire, but the chains of sin. And he ushered them into a kingdom, that, an eternal kingdom of God and of righteousness. Imagine their little pea brain minds were thinking, this God, well, you've just worked, we've been praying for this, and God's doing this. That's our God. That's what he does. And Jesus tells us that's what our God does, and so we do not have to worry. Amen. We can be a people who have, we've been singing about today and what we lit the candle for today, who are a people of hope. And hope is not in the sense of the world where the world, hope is like, I wish this would happen. You know, like right now, we're all going to be, I hope University of Michigan wins the national championship. That's wishful thinking. Or, I hope that I get the latest and newest iPhone for Christmas. That's hope. That's wishful thinking. That's certainly not going to happen. And that's what the world's sense of hope is. That we wish for something. But the biblical sense of hope is that here is a truth. Here's something that I know to be true, and I'm anchoring my life on that. So what do I know to be true? I know to be true that God is perfect in all his timing. How do I know that God is true in all his timing? Because I see the manger, and I know that God did it then. And friends, if God could do that then in the preparation of his birth for his son to come in the world, don't you think God could take care of the details in your life? Amen. Jesus said, don't worry. Your father knows you need these things. And he's a good father. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. He takes care of all these things. How much more valuable are you to him? God knows what you need, and he is a good father. And the promise is that he's going to give you life, and not just life, but life abundantly, says John 10, 10. That's the truth. And that's the hope that we can hold on to. And if you're here today, and you've just been waiting for God, and just waiting for God, just waiting for God. Don't let it bring you into despair, because that's exactly where the enemy wants to bring you. But in this Advent season, I encourage you to keep your eyes on the manger, and see God, and see a God who was at work then, 
and a God who is at work now in your life today. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, there are no loose threads in the providence of God. The great clock of the universe keeps good time. People of God, let us believe the good news. God, we thank you for these words that we are able to read here today. Some small words, some short words, God, but powerful words that need to deeply impact our lives because many of us go through seasons where we're wondering, where we're waiting, where it just seems like, like we're not hearing from you. But God, may we rest in the confidence and may we rest in the hope that you are always at work. You're always working around us. You are not a God who is just sitting up there in heaven and forgot about us, but you are actively working on our behalf for our good to accomplish your purposes. And so, God, I want to pray for those today that maybe came in here struggling, came in here wondering, came in here questioning like your people did so long ago, and they would know in this day and at this time that you are a God working for them, for their good, and may they hold on to that hope in this day. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. This morning we get to come to the table, and friends, this is a table of hope. It is a table of hope, and as we receive the elements, as we receive the bread and we receive the drink this morning, let us remember Let us remember this hope we have that that God worked out his perfect timing and if God could do it then, God can do it now in your life. Just as Jesus came into the world to bring hope to those who were in chains, hope to those who were blind, hope to those who were lame, Jesus is here today, present with us to bring hope into your life. And we come to this table as a community that comes together in hope, in unity. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ who are united by this hope, knowing that one day through what God accomplished in the manger and then through the life of Jesus Christ who went to the cross and who died for us, that one day we all will be in that eternal kingdom of heaven. And that one day we all will be at the table of the eternal feast, sitting with the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. And we come together with that hope anchoring our lives day in and day out because we know this to be true. And so we are going to follow the way of the one that we've the one that we serve, our Lord and Savior, and as his body was broken, and as his blood was poured out for the world around him to bring them hope, as his body here on earth, we too are going to be broken out and poured out for this world around us so that they too can know the good news of salvation. People of God, this is a table of hope. And this morning we get to receive this table and remember These are gifts that God has given to us to remind us whose we are and who we are and what we are about. And so let us remember that this morning. And we remember that these purposes of Jesus 
was accomplished in a humble way, right? He came into the manger. He lived a life of service. And it wasn't accomplished by him taking on a throne, but it was accomplished by him dying on a cross. And so we remember that. And that's our way of living too. And so we remember Jesus, who on the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he broke it and he said to them, as often as you eat of this bread, do this in remembrance of me because this is my body which has been broken for you. And then later in the meal, after they had given thanks and they had prayed together, Jesus took the cup and the drink and he poured it out. He said, this is my blood, which is poured out for you. This is the new covenant of God's promises. As often as you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. This morning you will be served the elements by our shepherding team. And so first we'll serve the bread and I'll ask you to hold on to the bread. And then after all have been served, we will eat it together. And then we will pass the drink. And after the drink has been passed, we will then drink that together as well. I do want to remind you that we do have gluten-free bread. So as the bread is being uh, shared, if you need some gluten-free bread, just put your hand in the air and we'll make sure that you can get that so that all of us can be served together. People of God, this is the table of our Lord. This is the table of hope. Let us now come and eat and drink, for all things are now ready. <laughs> 